Good evening, good evening, good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. This is your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, and I know... I said, or promised, that this episode would feature stories and radio shows dealing with urban legends. But what can I say? I lied. In actuality, I had some issues with one of the narrations, but hopefully it'll be taken care of. And throw your tomatoes, but next week will be urban legends. So without further ado... This is Terror Radio. The two radio programs featured tonight are one of our favorites, Quiet Please, and a lesser known radio series entitled The Key. Now, I discovered this radio show about three weeks ago, and I've listened to almost every episode, and I absolutely love this series wasn't able to find much information about it other than it was created or I should say it was based out of Australia and ran throughout the mid 50s and was created by James Workman who was a popular mystery pulp writer the radio play tonight is called Night Prowler and it first broadcasted sometime in 1956 so you know the drill sit back turn down the lights and listen to Night Prowler There's a key to every situation. Behind every unopened door, there is a mystery. And the opening of this door introduces us to another in the series, the key. Don't worry, Sam. I'll be all right. Look, Meanery, it's a long way from town. Oh, only eight miles? (laughs) Try running it when you're in a hurry. I'll be all right. Sure, you'll be all right, but... Just for laughs, why don't you come into town? You you can put up at a hotel and I won't have to worry all night. Sam, I've lived in this house for 20 years. True. And nothing more interesting than a broken water pipe has ever happened. Eight miles from town in the dark might as well be 50 miles. Oh, no. You had a husband and a couple of kids to fill the joint. I I don't like it. You're sweet. (laughs) Stubborn, too. No. So, you don't care if I worry my head off all night? It'll do you good. Oh, please, Sam. I'll be all right, honestly. And I've got the phone. Yes, you've got the phone. I I suppose some guy who breaks in is going to be nice and sporty if 
Give you time to phone the police and then wait till they turn up. I don't think. Nothing has ever happened in 20 years. And is that a guarantee that nothing will happen tonight? You're a good friend, Sam. Um, I'd like to keep being a good friend. I, I don't want to send flowers to you, too. I'll tell you what I'll do. Good. I'll have a drink while you pack a bag. No, Sam. I'm not leaving. I don't see why I should be driven out of the house I helped to build and live in for 20 years just because there's been some talk of a night prowler. It's not just talk, Nina. This guy's poisoned. I lock all the doors and bar all the windows and sleep with a shotgun by the bed. And I'll tell you what. If the people don't buy the place tomorrow, I'll get Mrs. Anders to stay with me. And if they do decide to take it, I'll move into town till we complete the deal. But that's crazy. If you're willing to move tomorrow night, why not tonight? I want to spend one last night in my own house on my own. It, oh, well, it's sentimental, I suppose. But that's what I want to do. ring. Thanks, Sam. That's what friends are for. I guess so. I, I've always thought that we were more than friends, Nina. When we were at school together, there was always you and me and Pete and, well, Pete won out. Maybe you were the lucky one. Oh, no. Things happen, Sam. That's a silly thing to say, I know, but... I know what you mean. Things do happen. Good night, Sam. And don't forget, I'm only as far away as the phone. It's good to have friends. See you first thing. Lock everything, won't you? Bolters and padlocks. Bye. (laughs) Poor Sam. First time I ever thought about him as the worrying kind. Well, House, this is probably the last time we'll be together. Pete gone, I don't suppose there's much reason for staring at memories. I hope the people who buy you look after you. Lock all the doors and lock all the windows. Keep the creatures of the night from entering our domain. Make sure the furnace is working and the cat's outside. Either the fire can't burn us in our beds, close and lock another window. <laughs> Dear Sam. <laughs> All right, Sam, I'm not dead or dying. I'm safe as a house. Yes, Sam. Mrs. Gray. Yes. Mrs. Gray, who owns the house for sale? Who is that speaking? Cleaver Bowman. Oh, oh Mr. Bowman, you, you gave me a start. I, I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to. Oh, 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 that's all right. It's a late hour to phone, I know. 
Oh, I just put it down to my own thoughts. Not, not the phone call. Are you alone, Mrs. Gray? Why, yes. Why do you ask? No reason. What can I do for you, Mr. Bowman? Is it about our appointment tomorrow? Nothing's wrong, I hope. Nothing at all, at least not with the house or my intention to buy. I'm afraid I don't quite understand. I've had an urgent message from my agent in the city, Mrs. Gray. It means I'll have to leave here before morning. Oh, dear, I am sorry. It means I I won't be able to keep my appointment with you. Oh. I know how much the sale of the house means to you, Mrs. Gray. Do you? Well, at least I'm aware that your financial troubles are... I, I know what a disappointment this must be. Well, it, it is, rather. But I dare say I'll weather it through. I'm sorry that I can't possibly think of buying the house without further inspection, Mrs. Gray. Oh, I realize that. If I do really want to buy a place in this area, your house seems to fit the bill admirably. Uh, couldn't we put things off for a day or two? I'm afraid it'd be for a month or two once I get to the city. Oh. Well, that seems to be that, doesn't it? Thanks very much for calling me. Mrs. Gray. Yes? Uh, there's a rather simple way out of all this. I can't think of any possible way. I could see the place now. Now? But it's past midnight. I realize that, of course, and it's up to you, but... If you want to sell that house of yours, Mrs. Gray... Oh, oh of course I do. I have to see it now, or I'm afraid not at all. At least for several months. Right. I don't know. You uh, could find another prospect, I suppose, but I know that houses of that size are very hard to shift, especially this far from the city. It's terribly late. It's up to you, Mrs. Gray. I, I, I don't really know. You're not frightened, are you, Mrs. Gray? Oh, no, no, of course not. It, it's, uh, it's merely the inconvenience of the time. To gain one's end, one has to put up with Quite a few inconveniences in this life. Um, will you be bringing Mrs. Bowman? There is no Mrs. Bowman. My wife died some ten years ago. You, you'll be on your own? That's right. Oh. Uh, very well, Mr. Bowman. I'll, uh, I'll expect you in half an hour. In half an hour? I, I'm sorry. Oh, it's to... really no trouble at all. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Bowman. Now, Nina Gray, will you please explain to yourself why you're trembling like a leaf? A man rings with a perfectly straightforward request, which will make you money and take the house off your hands, and you very nearly tell him to go away. You don't behave like a stupid child. Mr. Bowman? Mrs. Gray. Oh, come in, will you? Thank you. Um, well, now, uh, where would you like to start? I'd like to start by taking off my overcoat. It's rather warm in here. Oh, oh dear. I'm sorry. I'm a bad hostess. Would you like some coffee or something? I have some made. Thank you. Well, if you'll come through here. Well, this is a beautiful house, Mrs. Gray. Must be very difficult to leave it. It is. My husband and I built it ourselves. 
Oh, we didn't actually put up the bricks, but every penny we ever earned went into this place. Houses are like people. Sometimes they return affection. This house has had so much love that... I'm sorry. Go on. Uh, sit down and I'll pour. A uh, black? Please. Um, you'll have to forgive me for the phone conversation, being on my own. I understand. And uh, there's been a night prowler at work around here for the past couple of months. Uh, makes you a little wary. Oh, of course. Um, the house has five bedrooms, two floors, and I... Let's finish the coffee first. Then business. Um, what business are you in, Mr. Newman? I sell things. Oh. Have you been in this district long? A couple of months. At the same time as... Oh, I... I, I hate to appear. I, you see, I'm, I'm really very tired. Would you mind if we had a look over the place now? Not at all. You go ahead and show me. I'll be right behind. It's quite large, and there's a desk and bookcases. How far away is your nearest neighbor? Nearest neighbor? About uh, four miles, I suppose. Not even shouting distance. No. Still, if you had any trouble, you could use the phone. Phones can be cut. Yes, they can. Uh, and the windows are connected by a burglar alarm system. Oh, how very clever. Um, well, I, I think you've seen all the house. What about the cellar? The cellar? The house does have a cellar, doesn't it? Why, yes, of course. Uh, the furnace and... I'd uh, like to see it. But there's nothing there to... I'd like to see it. Oh, but I... Please. Um, yeah, yes, of course. It It has two entrances, sir. One from the kitchen and one from the outside. That's the coal and so forth. Uh, but there's really nothing down there that could possibly interest you. I'm, I'm sure. Well, if you do insist. I do. Um, oh, uh, before we, we go down, w would you mind if I made a phone call? I, I know it's late, but uh, I've got to tell someone something. I, I won't be a moment. What's wrong with the kitchen extension? Uh, oh, yes. Yes, uh, yes, of course. Anything wrong, Mrs. Gray? The phone's dead. Hello? Hello? Breakdown on the line. Was it terribly important? Yes, it, it was, rather. I'm afraid it'll have to wait. Y yes, I, I suppose so. Could we continue the search? The cellar, Mrs. Gray? Oh, oh, y yes, of course. After you. I don't think the light works, but there's a torch on the shelf. Thank you. These steps are a little steep, aren't they? A little. <sighs> nice, snug little cellar. No dampness? None at all. Cellars fascinate me, you know. I've done since I was a child. We spent all the time in our cellar, looking through all the old dusty treasures. Yeah, I used to dream myself into the most fabulous situation. The furnace is very good, nearly new, and there's plenty of storage space. When did your husband die, Mrs. Gray? About 12 months ago. I'm sorry. 
a shame that a woman of your beauty must spend her time alone. I don't mind solitude. Being alone can sometimes be very dangerous. Do you mind if we go upstairs? What's the matter? But nothing. It's trembling. It's cold down here. Oh, it's warm down here. I want to go upstairs, Mr. Bowman. Surely you're not frightened of me. Please let me pass. I can assure you there's nothing. Let me pass. Mrs. Gray, I don't Take think... Take your hands off me. Let me go. Let me go. Mina! Mina! Where are you? More visitors, Mrs. Gray. Mina! Better put the poor chap out of his misery. It's all right, Sam. Coming. Someone obviously concerned for your safety. Obviously. With no good reason, either. In the kitchen, Sam. Sorry to yell like that, but I was... You were what? Sam, this is Mr. Bowman. Hi. He's the buyer I was telling you about. What's he doing? I've been looking over the house. It's quite charming. Couldn't you have picked a better time? The time was picked for me. Circumstances, you know. No, I don't know. Please, Sam. Let's go into the lounge and have a drink. Yeah, good idea. What's that room through there? Oh, it's a tiny apartment, actually. We built it for our son when he first married. Uh, then they managed to get a house. Let's have a look. Will you excuse me? Yes, of course. When I buy something, I like to know all about it. Nina, are you crazy? I don't think so. Letting that guy in here. What's the matter with you? Quiet, Sam. He might hear you. I should worry. For all I know, he might be the prowler they've been having trouble with. You should have your head red, Mina. You really should. Yes, Sam. I'll stay here to see that he shoves off properly. All right, Sam. Talk about heart failure. When I saw that car pulled in and the lights went on, I said to myself... That's a neat little apartment, isn't it? Mina, I stay here to... Yes, Sam. I said it's a charming little... Oh, why, yes, it is. Funny time to be looking things over. Very funny. Rather an odd time for your visit, too. Mrs. Gray and I are old friends. Quite. What do you mean by that? Your drink, Sam. Thanks. Mr. Bowman. Thank you. Well, here's to a successful negotiation. I'm sure we'll be able to arrange the sale without any trouble now, Mrs. Gray. I hope everything turns out well for you, Mr. Bowman. Now, as for the price, um, would you mind if we discuss this in private, Mr. I'll sit here. I'd prefer to... Uh, Mr. Bowman, Sam is an old friend of mine. I, I don't see any harm in... Well, he may be an old friend of yours, Mrs. Gray, but I hardly know the man. And I don't want the sale and price of the house to be town property by tomorrow. That does it. Would you mind waiting in the study, please? Yes, I would mind. Sam. Okay, if that's the way you want it. Thank you. It's arranging things in the middle of the night isn't the way I like to do business. I hope I wasn't too rude. It's your affair, Mr. Bowman. Right, now, let's discuss price. Will you stop worrying about me? I didn't like him. What a thing to do. Come all the way out here in the early hours of the morning. How do you know he's the right man anyway? He's going to buy the house. Have you seen the color of his money? He'll have a check sent from the city. I'll believe it when I see it. Go home, Sam. I want you to come back with me. We'll arrange a room at the hotel and you'll stay there. Sam, I'm just as foolish as you are. Now go home. Oh, man must have wondered what was the matter with me. 
The way I behaved, you'd think he... The way you behaved. It's the way he behaved that worries me. I don't like him. And another thing... Good night, Sam. I'm not going to let you... I can't stand here all night arguing. Please go home. All right. But I'm telling you that I don't like it. I know, Sam. You've told me before. Good night, Sam. Please, I'm very tired. Lock the place up and don't open the door to anyone, you hear? I hear. Warning to give me the Jesus. You're a fool, Minna Gray. Go back to sleep. Who is it? There's someone out there. Why don't you speak? I'm coming out, and I've got a gun. I'll shoot it. No one. Dreaming. No. I'm not dreaming. I should have gone with Sam. I know you're in the house, and I have a gun. If you leave quietly, I won't call the police. Can you hear me? I know you're somewhere in the house. Where are you? Well, there's only one way to find out, my girl. You go downstairs and you search the place. Go on. Walk downstairs. You've got a loaded gun. No one can possibly hurt you. You just point the gun, point it at me, and you pull the trigger. Now what do you do? Who is it? It's me, Sam. Oh. Sorry oh. if I frightened you. I, I thought it was... Well, I don't know what I thought. I heard you yell out. Why didn't you answer me? Because I thought I saw someone moving around outside. I wanted to be sure. Sorry. Oh, I nearly died of fright. You have to point that gun at me. Oh, dear. I could have shot you. I'm glad you didn't. Well, so am I. What are you doing here, Sam? I'm worried. thought that character might come back. Well, I told you I'd be all right. <laughs> What's funny? Oh, this gun. It isn't loaded. You'd have been in a great pickle, wouldn't you? <laughs> I suppose so. I don't think I'll be able to go back to sleep now. House hasn't seen so much drama in a long time. It's a pity you've got to sell it, Nina. Why don't you cancel the sale? No, I'll... Sam. I can't do that. It's sold and that's that. Pity. It's a nice house. I was always jealous of you and Pete and the thing you got out of this place. Jealous? Yeah. Sam, I, I know this is becoming a ball round, but would you please not worry me? I was sound asleep, as happy as could be. You have to frighten the life out of me. Oh, now, don't get that hangdog look about you. Go home and worry about yourself for change. I'd rather worry about you. Nina, I didn't like the look of that Bowman guy. I don't know why. I just didn't like the look of him, that's all. Now, go home. Especially with the phone being off, you never know what could happen. How did you know about the phone, Sam? You told me. No, I didn't. You must have. Not a word about it, Sam. Not one word. What? 
Don't look at me like that. Like what? Like, like I don't know what. Anyone else, but not you. You must have told me about the phone. It was Bowman did it. He was in the room when the phone was cut. He could have done it before he arrived, couldn't he? But the fact is, Sam, that I didn't tell you anything about it. Get out now, Sam. Go on. Make me. I've still got the gun and I'll use it. What will you use for bullets? All right, meaner, it was me. I cut the wire. I wanted to come out here and talk to you, that's all. I didn't want any disturbance. Wanted to try and talk you out of selling the place. I didn't want you to go away. I wanted to make sure you didn't go away. I'm in love with you, Mina. I always have been. The house is sold, and I'm leaving as soon as possible. Tomorrow. No, I waited 20 years for Pete to die. Because I knew you should have married me. I'm not letting 20 years go by the board. 20 years of being married to someone else. Oh, horrible years. Get away from me, Sam. Get away. Mina, I'm serious about this. You need to marry me, you'll not see the daylight. You hear me, Mina? No, Sam. Please, no. No. The lady said no. Uh, you, get away. Go on, get away. Mr. Bowman. There are several policemen waiting outside, Sam. Uh, what are you talking about? You worried me, Sam. When I got back to the village, I hunted up the local law. Did you know? When the local law heard my story, they nodded wisely at each other and came along with me. They've been worried about you for quite a while, Sam. No, Sam wouldn't. Sam did. He's the night prowler. Sam isn't very well. We're waiting outside, Sam. It isn't true, Mina. It isn't. Outside, come on. It's not true. It's not true. You might brew some coffee, Mrs. Gray. I think you'll need some. Closing door finishes the story. Next week, another key will open another door to another story. Mystery. Romance. Or adventure. All start when a door is unlocked by... The key. Again, that was the key. And I hope you all enjoyed the episode. As I've stated before, on this platform, I want to also introduce more obscure radio shows that many of you may not have heard of before. Next, we have Quiet Please, which was the brainchild of writer and producer Willis Cooper, best known for being the creator of the very popular radio series, Lights Out. It debuted on June 8th, 1947, and concluded on June 25th, 1949. The show's announcer was actor Ernest Chappell, who was also the lead actor on many of the episodes. The radio play tonight is entitled Beezer's Cellar. 
and it first broadcasted on October 10th, 1948. You know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Beezer's Cellar. Oh, the beginning of the broadcast is a bit murky with background noise. I tried my best to get um, to get most of it out, but it's only there for at least the first, I want to say, five minutes or so of the show. Enjoy. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. American Broadcasting Company presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for today is called Deezer's Cellar. I looked at Marlena. Marlena looked at me when we heard this old guy talking about Beezer's Cellar. Get a load of this, Marlena, I said. Got the French fry and ate it very quiet while we listened to the old guy. He was sounding off to another old guy. And the other old guy couldn't get a word in edgeways. So this here Beezer, they always called him Six Fingers Beezer, see, on account of he had six fingers on each hand. He never did build his house. He got the cellar dug, and then he up and hung himself in it. Well, I don't know why rightly, but... There was some talk about the cellar being dug into a cursed ground. Well, I want to tell you, there's been mighty odd doings up there, I, George. Up at Beezer's cellar. What? Well, fires and lights at night. And don't you tell me Foxfire. I've seen Foxfire, and I know it when I see it. And this here ain't Foxfire. Hmm? Sixty-odd years ago. And moans, and hooting, and hollering all over the place at night. And trees are waving their branches when they ain't no wind. No, sir, that's a real deserted place. You couldn't get me up there with a ten-foot pole. That there place is haunted, sonny. I just want another look there. No, sir. Ghosts and spirits and crawling things that hoot and holler. They ain't in my line. You getting that, Marlena? Gosh, no. Ain't been up there since I was a kid in short pants. A click of us went up there one afternoon in the fall, and we thought we seen a skeleton laying down there on the floor of the cellar, and we cut and run. Never stopped till we got to the C and A tracks. Yes, sir, Sonny. Uh, thank you for the root beer. That there's a place to shun, and by golly, people shun it. Well, hey, it's right out past the cemetery, where you turn off to the Strickfadden Road. But it'd take quite a lot of finding. 
about three miles east. There's a big elm tree that was struck by lightning. Come on, Marlena, I said. We sort of drifted out of the place. The car was parked up under a big tree by the side of the road. Pete was sitting there with a P-38 pistol he brought back from the war. With his feet on the suitcase with the $82,000. We stopped to count it on the side street in Wilmington on the way down from Chicago. We watched the state cops go on past us down 66. Then we switched the license plates and jogged on after him. Pete wasn't taking any chances. He had the snoot of that P-38 in our faces the minute we walked up. You uh, ought to make some kind of noise or something. I might not let you have it. Put the gun away for a minute and move over. Get in, Marlene. You bring me a sandwich? Barbecued pork, are they? Get eat it raw. What's cooking? Stanley's got an idea. What now? You're scared of ghosts, Pete. I ain't scared of anything. Well, that's good. What's this about ghosts? We might run into a couple of them where we're going. An old man with six fingers on each hand. Oh, a cop? He hanged himself 60 years ago. What is all this double talk? Quit hollering and eat your sandwich. Listen, what are you figuring on? I found a place to leave the bag with the money for a while. While things cool off. Leave the bag? What'd you think I was going to do? In that cellar? What cellar? Stanley, are you crazy? Listen, how'd you like to let me in on this, huh? Listen, this is a haunted cellar, see? The old man says nobody ever goes there. They're scared to go there. So am I. Oh, can up, Marlena. There ain't anything to be scared of. Only ghosts. You can always go riding around the countryside if you want to ask some take cop to take us. It's always the way with you amateurs. I'm no amateur. I shot the guys, didn't I? Who told you to shoot? Who told you which ones to shoot? Well, you're beefing about I didn't say anything. Well, I wished I'd never got into this. For a nice chunk of $82,000, you wish that. Well... Do we have to do it this way, Stanley? You think of a better way? Where is this place? Two miles from here. What are we waiting for? That's my boy. Oh, we won't have to stay around there long, will we, Stanley? Why, listen, baby, you think I'd go there at all if I didn't have a hot suitcase to take care of? Leave right away. I will. <laughs> we all will. Whether old Six Finger shows up to scare us or not. <laughs> Don't, Stanley. Which way, Stan? Well, the old fellow said something about a road. Stick Faden Road. Well, well, look now, but the reason I was asking is there's a motorcycle coming down the road back there. Where? I was just kind of interested in our next move. Not that I haven't got ideas of my own. Now, put that gun away. I was only going to ask him a question. But he didn't have to ask him a question. Marlena stepped out of the car, and she walked right up to the man in the blue suit, and she said, How do I get to Srikfaden Road, officer? And the officer told her, just as polite as the head waiter. <laughs> He'd have been awful surprised if he'd known what was pointing at him while he was being so nice to the cute little redhead. Eh, what do you know? No one hurt him, I always say. And we relaxed. Well, so we found the road all right. We drove along slow, little old Model A Ford with Indiana license plates. And we were pretty quiet. 
I don't know what Pete was thinking about in Marlena, but I know what I was thinking about. Trees hanging low over the road. Trees that moved their branches when there wasn't any wind. And lights in the night that wasn't foxfire. Uh, whatever foxfire is. And pretty soon there was a great big old elm tree alongside the road, and it looked as if it had been struck by lightning. So we stopped. And then there wasn't any trees waving their branches or any funny noises. But we found Beezer's cellar. I wish we hadn't. There was the elm tree that was struck by lightning. And there was a fence that we busted down. There was a kind of path. Oh, it had been a path once. And it was all I could do in the dark to bust my way through the underbrush with a flashlight. <laughs> and Marlena and Pete waiting in the car ready to go into a smooching act up an inquisitive cop pulled up. <laughs> smooching. With a hiney pistol aimed under his arm over the side of the car. It was a lot easier getting the $82,000 than it was crawling through the bushes looking for Beezer's cellar. I pretty near fell into it. It didn't smell very good. There was water in spots in the bottom. Then it looked haunted enough. Kind of felt my back hair coming up, but I said, Yeah, well, it's better than one of these little iron rooms they got down Stateville. And I went back after Pete and Marlena. We run the car off the road, hoping nobody would see it. We lugged the suitcase back through the underbrush. I jumped down. Pete and Marlena climbed down after me. Good deal, huh? Looks haunted, all right. I don't like this, Stanley. Well, let's stash the bag and get out of here. How are you going to do it? We'll dig a hole, jerk, and bury it. What with? Well, didn't you... Oh, first. Oh, wait a minute, Stanley. I see something over there against the wall. Flash the light. I thought I saw it when I climbed down. A shovel. Ain't that convenient. Maybe the ghosts left it here. Cut that out. (laughs) Scare you, kid? Cut it out. Yeah, thanks, Marlena. Uh, Hold the light, Pete. Uh, No, turn it out quick. There's a car coming. noise? You want to dig? I'll hold the light. Wait. What's the matter? Shut up. I thought I heard somebody. Go on, dig. Pick up the bricks. Okay. Let me hold the light and you can both dig. We'll get out of here quicker. Okay. Don't do that, Stanley. <laughs> yeah, nobody gonna hurt you, kid. Nobody. Here, come back with that light. Come on, let's stop kidding around. I'm going to sit down. You'll get all wet. No, there's an old busted chair here. Oh, for the love of... All right, all right. There. Yeah, now let's go. <gasps> now what's the matter? Stanley, you didn't sit in this chair, did you? You kidding? Pete? What's the matter? Somebody's been sitting in it. The seat's still warm. And she dropped the flashlight. And it rolled down into the hole we'd been digging. The light went bouncing down and down and 
Down and down, hundreds of feet we could watch it, twisting and turning and lighting up the sides of a deep, smooth shaft that seemed to have no bottom at all. And there we were in the dark, down in Beezer's cellar, the darkness pushing down on us. There was a sound somewhere, way far off, that seemed to come up to us from the bottomless pit we had opened. And I swore, I lit a match. Pete and Marlena were leaning over the edge of the hole. Marlena jumped back and she started screaming. And she wouldn't stop till I slapped her face a couple of times. I said, cut it out. Do you want all the cops in the state to come running? She grabbed me by the arm. She was yammering like a baby. I saw it. It was looking right at me. I saw it fast. She passed out cold. Only the quick grab that Pete made kept her from falling right down the hole. Well, Pete and I slapped some of the dirty water in her face. Pretty soon she sat up. She started to cry. And it started to rain. Look, Pete said. Look, I don't go for this, Stanley. Scared of ghosts. Oh, nuts. There's no ghosts. But I think we can find a better place to bury our dough than Mr. Beezer's cellar. Let's get out of here, please. Let's get out of here. Cut it out, Marlene. You saw a reflection of the match down this old well. Well? Sure, that's what it is. It's a well. <laughs> Some of these old houses had a well right in the cellar. I, I remember it from when I was a kid. And we busted into the well. I saw eyes looking at me. Cut it out. You didn't either. We'd have been in a swell fix if we dropped the suitcase down the well. Yeah, I'll say we would. Yeah, let's dig another hole. Shut up, Marlena. Let's get out of this. I'm getting soaked. Yes, let's get out of here, Stanley. Go on, you two, if you want. I'm going to get this suitcase planted. Come on, Pete. Yeah. Hurry up, Stanley. I'll hurry. something, Stanley? Huh? Uh, no, what? Something's happened. What are you whispering about? Listen, Stanley, I, I've been all around the walls of this place, and that busted place in the walls where we came down ain't there anymore. What are you? Well, I'm telling you, Stanley. Light a match and look for yourself. And I struck a match, and I shielded it carefully in my hands. And I looked around the walls of Beezer's cellar in the drizzling rain. And you know what? There wasn't any other place that I could see. The walls, all four of them, was as smooth as glass. And from way, way down deep in the earth, I could just see a little bitty gleam from that flashlight. And I thought to myself, I, I see what Marlena meant. It, it does look like eyes now, don't it? 
a musty old cellar in the middle of the night and a hole in the floor that goes down. I haven't got any idea how far. And rain and a hysterical woman and a suitcase with $82,000. No way to get out of the place. Great, huh? Well, you can explain anything, can't you? A hole in the floor. Sure, that was a well. The eyes she thought she saw. Sure, that was a flashlight reflecting on the water down there. And the way we couldn't get out. Well, maybe the wall wasn't as busted down as I thought it was when we got into the place. Maybe we didn't notice how smooth the walls was. Yeah, sure. But how are you going to explain that chair seat being warm when Marlene sat down on it? Yeah, that's right, Pete. I didn't want to come here in the first place. That old guy scared the life out of me. There's no such thing as ghosts. You pick a swell time to make a statement like that, boy. Well, there ain't. Maybe there is no ghosts. But there are other things. Like what? I don't know. Like things that come up out of the ground. Oh, cut it out. Well, Give me a cigarette, Pete. You gotta sit here all night in the rain. What'll I do? Fly out of here or something? Give me a match. Wait, I'll spit for you. Here. Let's get out of here. Wait till morning. We'll find a way out then. I wonder if we could reach the top of the wall if we stood on that chair. I don't know. You wouldn't get me to touch that chair for a million dollars. It was warm. Ah, that don't signify nothing. As to me. What about the suitcase? What? What'd you do with it? I'm sitting on it. Is it warm? Hot as a pistol. Oh, cut it out. Cut it out. Well, I'm scared. Look, babe, I don't like this any too well either. Just sit close to me, please. I'm cold. Well, move over this way. Yeah. Don't worry, kids. In another couple of months, we'll come back and pick up our little prize package here. It'll be warm for life. All of us. If we ever get out of here. Ah, come on. You do that, Pete? No. What was it? I don't know. Oh, wait a minute, Stanley. I think I know what it was. What? Wait. Stan? What? Come here. Careful, Al. In the damp darkness, I moved toward the sound of Pete's voice. He stuck my hand and put it on the edge of the hole I dug. See? What? A couple of bricks fell in the hole. Oh. Marlena, get back from the edge. What is this? Move back, honey. Light a match, Stanley. You got him. You like one. All right, stand back a little. And in the light from the match before it fizzled out in the rain, I saw what had made the sound. Two or three bricks had got loose at the edge of the hole I dug and fallen in. And as I looked before the match went out, two more sagged and fell downward into that bottomless pit. Get back, Marlena, I yelled. Pete lit another match. Look out! The crack yawned open, and with a crash, a half a dozen more bricks tumbled into the hole. Below us, I could see the feeble glow of the flashlight way down there. It seemed to me the things crawled far, far below us in that horrible pit. Pete and I dragged Marlena away to the wall. There was a rumble, and the mouth of the pit grew bigger. It seemed that the glow from down there was growing stronger. We sat there, huddled against the slippery walls, frozen cold with terror. 
Another section of the floor fell in. The whole floor is gone. Come on, we gotta get out. Marlena sobbing and Pete and I scrambling at the slippery walls. There wasn't a chance. Then the rumbling stopped for a second. We flattened ourselves against the bricks. In the light that came up from down there, I could see Pete's staring eyes and the tears of fright shining on Marlena's cheeks. I said, we gotta get out of here. Help me up the wall, Stanley. Take no use to try, boys. You can't get out. And I looked up. And there, sitting comfortably on the edge of the cellar wall, grinning at us in the light that flowed up from the pit in the cellar floor, was the old man Marlena and I had heard at the roadside restaurant. The old man who told the lurid story about Beezer's cellar. Ain't no use to try. You're stuck. Oh, help, help. Don't hoot and holler, lady. Look, old man, give us a hand, will you? I heard tell of a fellow long time ago that got down into this here cellar. Just like you done. Well, give us a hand. The floor's gone. I know. The floor fell in with him, too. Well, help us. He killed a feller down towards Manitou. And he come and hid here in the cellar. Give us a hand out of here. And the same thing happened to him. Never did find his body. <laughs> More floor falling in, hey? Come on, give us a hand up out of here. Help us. Know what's down there? Fire and destruction. Listen, old man. That's boy. You know you hadn't ought to shot that poor feller at the bank up there in Chicago. Uh, Murder's bad. Uh, listen, we got a lot of money down here with us. I know it. You're criminals. Uh, we'll we'll split it with you. Don't want no part of stolen money, Bob. Ain't much more left, is there? They'll never find your body. Now listen, you old guy. Now don't call me, hey, Bob. put that pistol down. That won't do you no good, son. Too bad. Uh, listen, mister, for, for the... Uh, look, there's a woman down here. Yeah. Criminal? Like you two boys. Uh, uh, but look. Uh, look out, Marlene. Oh, Stanley. Here, Marlene. Get... Kind of figured you were listening to me back there at Saltwedle's stand. Kind of figured you'd come a-kiting out here to the cellar. Mister, listen to reason. Please just reach down and give us a hand. Kind of figured I'd come along and watch and see what had happened to you. Mighty interesting. Well, if I could get my hands on you. Can't. Not unless I let you. You can't do this to us. We are children. We are. Please, I beg you. No, lady. No use of hollering. The wages of sin is death, I always say. You robbed and you murdered. So you got to be punished, see? You, you can't sit there and watch us die. <laughs> Another hunk of the floor is going. You better move over to one side. I'm going to get that old man. Put down your pistol, sonny. I'll get him. I told you, take no use. Please, please don't. Get him. Get him. Listen, Sheriff, I... Uh... I ain't no sheriff. 
I'm just a feller interested in seeing justice done. I recognized you back there at the restaurant. And I thought to myself, I thought, well, I'll just tow these people here over to the cellar. And we leave things take their course. Uh, look out, Marlena. Oh, Haven't you any pity, man? Not much. Not much for thieves and murderers. He's crazy, Stanley. There's an insane asylum across the river there someplace. He's escaped from there. No, son. I ain't insane. Listen. What would you give to get out of there? You you can have half the money. Ain't much time for bargaining. Give it all to him, Stanley. That's better. You ought to be willing to give up all the money to save your life. Oh, yes, yes, yes. If I was in a fix like that, I'd give anything I got. Well, we won't. Yes, we will. Floor getting hot down there. Mighty interesting. Well... All right, you can have all the money. Help us out. I know you don't, Stanley. Hang it up. Stanley, how do we know he'll help us? Wait, don't give it to him. Take it. Oh, no, no, no. And Pete leaped at the suitcase I was handing up to the old man. His fingers just touched the edge of the bag when another section of floor gave way right under him. He fell down and down and down and down, twisting and turning into the fire that kept coming higher and higher up the shaft, reaching for us. And the old man took the bag and set it down on the edge of the cellar. See? That might have been you, fella. Or you, lady. Help us out of here. It's good riddance. He was the one that shot the fellas at the bank up in Chicago. Uh, good riddance, I always say. Are you going to help Right in the nick of time. Here. Grab a hold of my hand, lady. I'm afraid. Uh, you dumb lady. Post her, mister. Oh. There you are. Just as right as rain. All right. Now, you... the strong arms of the old man lifted me up over the lip of the cellar wall. The last section of the floor below us fell away into the fire. And just as if a play or something was over, the flames died down. First they were yellow, then purple, and then they just went out. Marlena grabbed my arm. Where did he go, Stanley? Where did he go? I don't... Hey, old man! Hey! Come on, let's get out of here. What's this? Marlena. He didn't take the money. It's right here. And so I picked up the suitcase and Marlena and I hacked our way through all that underbrush back to the road. We were just opening the door to the car to get in, go away from Beezer's cellar. When there was sawed-off shotguns in our faces and lights, I could see the state cop's badge behind the light. He laughed and said, Come on, kids, we're going for a ride. And it's very comfortable here in the little iron room at Stateville. Then I hear that Marlena's all right down there at the women's prison at Dwight. She can stay there for 20 years. 
They got a tight little room here for people to get mixed up in murders. Little room you can walk into, but you can't walk out. All modern conveniences. Electricity and everything. Well, the old fellow said the wages of sin is death. And I... I guess I'd rather be here than in Beezer's cellar. I really am pretty grateful to the little old fellow. The little old fellow with the six fingers on the hand that pulled me out. Today's Quiet Please story is Beezer's Cellar. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper, and the man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Lana Stavisky played Marlena, Warren Stevens was Pete, and the six-fingered old man was Charles Eggleston. As usual, music for Quiet Please is played by Albert Berman. Now for a word about next week, Willis Cooper. Thank you for listening to Quiet Please. Next week, I have a story for you called, And Jeannie Dreams of Me. And so, until next week at the same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. Now, a listening reminder. Today, David Harding Counter Spy is dedicated to Employ the Physically Handicapped Week. Be sure to tune in. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Well... That is our show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. Or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, maybe a request, hey, maybe a complaint, a suggestion, you can always email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. Again, this is your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, signing off.